Hello and welcome to the podcast formerly known as Houston We Have a Podcast and is now known as The Fan and The Critic. Uh, my name is Carson. I am the quote-unquote critic from the title and I am joined by always as Paulo, who is now quote-unquote The Fan. Um, That's me. Welcome to our new show slash the same show with a different title. You're welcome, NASA, for having your name back, even though you stole it from us. Um <laughs> So yeah, on, on the, like the reason why we picked that name is because, uh, you know, kind of showing our contrasting styles, uh, Paul, you're a little bit more in line with the, the fan opinions and I'm a little bit more in line with the <laughs> critic opinions. Uh, but I am reminded, uh, cause when we were workshopping new names, one of the things I put in my notes, I don't know if you ever read them was like, we're not critics. I hate critics. Critics are terrible. And somehow I've ended up as the critic on this show. <laughs> um, and I'm reminded of a, of a quote from a Wes Anderson movie, the life aquatic, where when asked about being a father, Bill Murray says, I hated, fa I hated fathers and I never wanted to be one. And I feel like that kind of portrays how I feel about being the critic on this show. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I know that my opinions on movies are more in line with critics. So I am happy to be playing the critic role here. I don't think it's through any fault of your own either. It's just that I'm so far onto the fa into fan territory that it just makes you a critic, <laughs> which is like you're you're not even a typical critic. You're like a I don't know I don't know how to call it. Uh, I think it's safe to say that while the fan and the critic is a good explanation of what type of movies we like, that I think that we hope to be a little bit more realistic than fans or critics. Because both well, sides yeah. have a tendency to like go over the edge on like the way that they feel about things and take things to the extreme. And I think that we're a little bit more, or I hope we're a little bit more reasonable than that. Um, I guess we'll see. We might prove ourselves wrong in talking about Ant-Man today. Because I think <laughs> our, our, our thoughts are going to be very in line with exactly what the, the Rotten Tomatoes score <laughs> is. Like I'm exactly the audience score and you're the, 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 critic, the critic tomato meter. Yes, yeah, so to uh to sort of showcase this new uh this new style of ours, we've picked two movies that are kind of like a fan movie and a critic movie. We're not always going to be like that. We're all like we're still going to continue to have guests on. We're going to do some games. We're going to do some other stuff, um, or we'll just do reviews that aren't such polarizing movies. But for today, we're going to pick two polarizing movies. The first one, as you mentioned, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, uh, which is more of the fan movie, and then The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, which is more on the critic side of things. Uh, our opinions, spoiler alert, are probably exactly what you think they're going to be. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, we're going to get into both of them. Uh, let's go ahead and get started then with uh, my, my favorite movie franchise, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, which when we started this podcast five or six years ago, I said I didn't want to talk about, but yet we're talking about like almost every single one. And here we are with yet another one, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, because this is more of the fan movie. How about you, uh, you kick it off with an intro on this one? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, there's not a whole lot. I'm going to be the, the self-aware fan today uh, because, I mean, Marvel is like McDonald's, right? Marvel movies. Um, it's uh, it's fast and easy and, and comforting. Um, not that it's bad for you nor bad for cinema, but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it's, 
it's enjoyable. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp specifically. I even have my own little like nitpicks about it. Um, but on in, in general, um, I thought it was. Uh, I mean, e- even though it's like a CGI heavy, like just big, uh, big typical Marvel movie, which kind of gets away from like the 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 small, not grounded. I don't know what the word is, but like the smaller scale uh, charm of the the first couple Ant Man movies. Um, which I enjoyed very much, mostly because of Paul Rudd. Um, yeah, I mean, it just feels like it's uh, it it the the whole movie is built just to to introduce uh, Jonathan Majors and Kang and showcase him as they try to start off the the next phase of of Marvel. Um, but I mean, for for those of you living under a rock or not particularly caring about Marvel movies, Ant Man is basically about. Uh, uh the the ant-man folks uh get sucked into the quantum realm where uh kang has been trapped and uh he's trying to escape and he needs for some some reason he needs specifically ant-man to help him do that uh uh i'm not gonna say the plot is uh (laughs) particularly good but that's what it is and i mean it's it's fun watching it uh, unfold I had pretty low expectations going into it. Uh, obviously, saw some of the Rotten Tomatoes scores. People saying it wasn't good. Like my ex, like yeah, I, I didn't expect much out of this movie, and it didn't even deliver that. Um, oh, I geez. I was okay with it being like like Ant Man. The first two movies are kind of just very simple type heist movies. Um, Scott. Yeah, Scott Lang is not the typical like MCU hero with all the muscles and just punching his way out of things. He's more like kind of a broken character. And I like that he had the criminal background. He wasn't the genius that like everyone else is for some reason. Um, and so I kind of like that those little bit of side stories that they had going in Ant-Man 1 and even in Ant-Man 2, they had a villain, which I, I thought was sympathetic villain. Um, and so I just wanted some type of small scale interesting character story and i knew it was going to be a cgi fest and i'm okay with that as long as they had you know an element of characters built into it but i just didn't care about any of the characters and i didn't understand what they were trying to do i didn't understand the logic of the quantum realm and it it felt like it took away from the things that i enjoyed previously which he's ant-man he gets small he doesn't really get small in this movie you don't see like the micro world. And so there's that element of Ant-Man that was kind of stripped away from this. I didn't understand what Michelle Pfeiffer was talking about and her logic throughout the entire thing as well. I think they were going for like a cryptic angle on that. Um, So I just had a hard time caring about the relationships of the characters. I like Jonathan Majors. I like what he was trying to do with the character. The movie kind of neuters him a bit. And I was like, I didn't, didn't really love how they finished it, but I liked some of the, nuances of the character that he was kind of presenting at the beginning yeah i mean spoiler alert um i mean if you've ever listened to one of our podcasts you just should know that it's spoilers right off the bat but the you like mentioning uh jonathan majors and kang um i think uh one of my nitpicks about him is that he's supposed to be like it's it's hard to understand the like his power and the rules around his power because in one like on one hand he's just zapping people away by pointing at them and then 
when it's time to fight Ant-Man there, she's like just punching him so that he doesn't die in in a second and the movie's over. Um, and I just thought it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Also, like considering how it's it's building him up to be such a big, bad, like just a, the conqueror, like he's he's unbeatable and he's killed the Avengers like 50, like millions of times over and then Ant-Man beats him. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with certain things of of what you said. I mean, not obviously not to the extent of uh, of uh, having low expectations and still being disappointed. Um, I think I'm I'm firmly on the other side of the spectrum where it was on my top ten of, of my movies look that I was looking forward to this year, and I I was really happy with it as you can see as by my rating on in, on our Instagram post. Um, so I mean, yeah, let's let's get into it. I, I think. So maybe let's start there. Why did you like it so much? <laughs> okay. Um, so I think I'll start off by saying again that I am a big fan of Paul Rudd. I think he's just it, – it's funny because the later uh, Marvel movies with the original uh, the, the original Avengers, so like uh, Thor and Iron Man and uh, I guess I'll, I'll include Ant-Man in that as well even though he's kind of like extended um, of, of the originals. But like the later, the more movies that they're in, I feel like you can kind of tell that they start to care a little bit less. Not not care a little bit less, but they they start to just it's not as serious anymore for them. And you could really, I feel like um, Thor, the latest Thor movie, uh, what was it called? Love and Love Thunder. Thunder. That's like a big example of that. Like, I mean, that's partly because of uh, Taika Waititi just going off the rails but there's also like i don't know what's another good example um i don't know uh, I'll, again I'll, I'll bring it back to ant-man paul rudd is just like completely hamming it up as he normally does in other things when he's trying to be funny and he succeeds i think um like the whole like uh baskin robbins ant-man uh paul rudd or scott lang showing up in the quantum realm um, when they were doing the uh, was it the time the probability storm or what was it called? I, I think it was remember. probability storm, but yeah, the heist that they're going into. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, it's just yeah, the way that he's acting, I feel like I can kind of tell that he's just he's just having fun with it now. Um, so I mean, that was part of it, but also like, even with the complaints that I do have, like it's not it's it's going away from like the 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 original ant-man movies or like the 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 vibe uh of the original ant-man movies i think it was it was just fun enough um and like visually uh visually satisfying enough uh for me to enjoy um and even wait, there was um, damn it. I'm forgetting um what I'm forgetting one big part as to why. Oh um, no no that's really much it. Like just this the and also the silliness of it. I I personally enjoy just that kind of style. Um, I was actually surprised um to find out that uh, the the director I think director or writer is the same for this movie as it was for their first two. Yeah. Um. Because it like again, because the vibe is so different, and it is a big CGI fest, and it's all just like more so focused on Kang. But 
don't know. It's my uh, my preference, I guess. If I remember correctly, and I could be way wrong on this, but I think that they had tried to find another director initially, and that that person kind of jumped out, and they said, "Oh, Peyton Reed, how would you come back in?" Uh, which kind of mimics how Peyton Reed got the job to begin with, because the first Ant Man was going to be directed by Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright wanted to make his own, or was it Edgar Wright or was it somebody else? I think it was Edgar Wright. But I think Edgar he wanted Wright to do his right. own, like, be more creative and do his own stuff visually. And then, you know, Disney, of course, being like, no, 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 you do our vision. Um, so Peyton Reed is kind of the guy that's like, we have this movie that we want you to make. We don't want you to have opinions. Just go make our movie. Um, and so they brought old Peyton Reed in again to do just that. Um, but going back to Paul Rudd, I don't, I didn't enjoy this movie, but none of that is because Paul Rudd, he, he acts exactly as you would expect Paul Rudd in this movie. He has like a good <laughs> level of dramatic acting and the silliness acting. The probability storm that you mentioned probably was my most favorite part because it's all just Paul Rudd on the screen. And it was, funny and you have all these different elements to him where a lot of it fell apart was and i know this isn't the point of the movie but it has to have a dramatic core at some point like something to root it in and the whole element of him and his daughter they kept vaguely referring to this element of oh uh, kang has to give you time back with your daughter and you've missed <laughs> stuff but it's they didn't connect that well enough and i didn't really understand what they were going for like they needed to make it a little bit more tangible of what kang was offering him like was he offering going back in time to before the snap and like like just something to make that a little bit more real because they kept referring to it but i didn't know exactly what that meant and same with michelle yeah. pfeiffer like she kept referring to you know regret and all these things and it's like you, you go back and they finally reveal know her initial interactions with kang and it's like why don't you just tell people about this like there's nothing for you yeah. to regret <laughs> and so it, it's like those little things but i just need that minimum amount of dramatic story going on so that i understand the connections between the characters so that the silliness can can run rampant but i felt like it was yeah. untethered silliness and therefore not enjoyable <laughs> that's that i mean that's fair like i'm not going to deny that all like pretty much all the story elements were pretty were paper thin um michelle pfeiffer not wanting to talk about kang at all considering how dangerous she knows he is is makes absolutely zero sense i mean I, maybe there's an element of guilt I, I the way i took it is that there's there's an element of guilt on of her abandoning the the people of the quantum realm uh resulting in all of their most of their deaths i guess sure i get that like that is just enough. Like that's an example of it being just enough to keep it moving so that I, I can get to the next um, silly thing that I enjoy watching. <laughs> um, and then also like uh, what else was there? Like the, the whole thing between um, uh, Scott Lang and his daughter having more time. I, yeah. I mean, again, it's paper thin, but like I, I understood, or I feel like I understood that, I mean, it is more so just Kang not killing them <laughs> so that they can have more time and not like maybe sparing Earth. Because I think he mentioned that to uh, Michelle Pfeiffer at some point in the beginning, like, um, I'm going to I'm going to destroy everything, but your world will be safe. And that's I, I guess it's along the same lines of that with with him and Scott Lang. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I I'm not I'm not going to 
argue too much against like the 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 flaws of the movie, but I, I feel like it's again when when I eat McDonald's, I know that I, I I'm gonna probably get fat if I eat too much of it, but I'm still gonna do it <laughs> and I'm gonna enjoy it. God damn it! <laughs> hey, I I like McDonald's. I I. I get the type of movie that this could have been. Like I can see a version of this movie that I enjoy. I just mm-hmm. don't know if I wanted it to be more dramatic or more silly. Cause the things that I did like about it, um, the ooze guy, I, I enjoyed his little comedic relief <laughs> scenes. Um, there's a the part where one of their homes, like he finds out their homes are living things and he's like, Oh, your homes are alive. And he's like, y- yours are dead. Yours are dead. Yeah. Like that joke was like the one joke in the whole movie that really landed with me. <laughs> Um, uh, Bill Murray did not work. I don't know why he's there. And I feel that like was I, kind lose, of unnecessary. I lose a little bit more credibility for Bill Murray. I think with everything he's doing these days, I know like there's issues about his past that are now coming to light. Um, it's just becoming harder and harder to enjoy Bill Murray as a person. Issues anymore. about his past. Uh, apparently he's a real dick and he's been on set, uh, oh. like with women basically telling them like, they're not good enough and not, you know, anyway, I, I don't know. Oh, that was, but... that was, I feel like that was known from a while ago though. Like I, I remember that specifically, I, I think with him and Lucy Liu when they were on Charlie's Angels together. There's a few other people that have come out since as well. Oh, okay. Well, well I mean, I'm not uh, particularly a fan of Bill Murray. He's not as, uh, I, I don't revere him as much as, as most as I, me I probably um yeah you... <laughs> like, it, it breaks down a little bit for me because for example there's a, a story about him and a bunch of other people like tilda swinton on like set of a movie that they're doing and just hearing them all sit around the table together like those group of people i just think like oh i would love to be part of that group and just like hear what they have to say and then when you hear I stories mean... like this it's like <laughs> eh, maybe they're they're not as admirable as i think <laughs> well that's unfortunate but yeah, I mean I, that like the the cameo of Bill Murray was I felt like one of the more anticlimactic cameos because like they're when they're trying to meet this person like oh it's my friend and you're you're kind of thinking you're it's kind of stringing you along thinking about like oh who's this gonna be and then the reveal is that it's Bill Murray but you don't really feel anything it's like oh okay it's it's Bill Murray Co- contrasting that with maybe like I don't know. Zombieland, I think that's a good example where that was like a great cameo, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just it was executed better. Also, combined with the fact that he wasn't seen as much of a as as much of a dick back then. I don't know. Yeah, and especially because at that time, like they were building up two characters. They were building up Krylar as this person that she was going to meet, and they were also building up the Conqueror, which. I thought they actually did a good job of of kind of foreshadowing him and kind of building him up of like talking about him a bunch and talking about the impact that he did and then finally revealing him. By the time they revealed him, I, I thought that there would be, I don't know, something a, a little bit more cinematic to finally seeing him and revealing him. Um, but it, you know, it kind of reminded me, and this is probably giving it way too much credit, um, <laughs> Indiana Jones in the beginning. And this is probably for me like the pinnacle of, revealing a character um but you kind of get a couple shots behind like harrison ford and then like he's in the shadow and then he finally like comes into the light uh, uh, after because he does like the, the whip and he has the gun and then he steps yeah. out of the shadow and you see his face and it's like okay that's a good reveal of a character 
Um, and so that's kind of what I compare everything against. And I, I felt something like that coming. Like they kept foreshadowing him. They were mentioning him. They had different characters talking mm-hmm. about him. And then I can't remember how they actually revealed him on set, but it was just like, oh, there he is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about Modoc? <laughs> um, like, it's silly, but can you really do Modoc not silly? So it was, it felt appropriate. And if it had been in a better movie, I would have enjoyed the silliness of it. And that's one of those where I was talking like, would I want this to be more dramatic or more silly? Yeah. The, the silliness of that character and just how off-putting his face is. And the fact that they <laughs> tied him back to an existing character as opposed to just having a new thing. Um, I liked that. And I liked his kind of, I don't know, redemption arc at the end or whatever you want to call it. That felt appropriate. So a lot of people are kind of shitting on the CGI for that. I'm not going to shit on that. Like it was an okay character for what they had to work with. I don't know why they needed to put him in, Um, (laughs) but it was not the thing I hated the most. Yeah. Well, that's actually surprising to me because that was like Modoc as funny, like as some of the segments were for him, I felt like they, they kind of, they pushed it a little too far um, or they just used him a little too much um in a movie that was already a little bit i don't want to say bloated but there was a lot going on already so i agree with like i don't the questioning why he had to be there necessarily the the way that they did do it and tie it into i don't even remember the guy's name the villain from original ant-man yellow jacket guy yeah yeah yellow jacket guy yeah i mean like that's that's good that's fine but like just it 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 dragged on a little bit, especially like during his redemption arc. But I mean, it is also very silly, and I I did enjoy it until he he kind of overstayed his welcome. <laughs> um, For me, it was I I think I didn't hate it because I expected worse. Um, because I knew that Modok was going to be part of the movie, and I've seen Modok in other like there's a, a Modok cartoon on Disney Plus with I think Pat Oswald voicing it. And he's a really annoying character, and I don't know how you could do that well. So when they said Modoc was going to be in the movie, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, slightly better than what I had feared. So I was like, okay, I, I, I can live with this. Okay. I guess it caught me off guard because I have I had no context as to what what or who Modoc is, like, in, in Marvel terms. So just, just see the stretched face was kind of jarring for me. And, still and he funny. doesn't have a stretched face like that, like. The face is much weirder than the character is usually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, like, clearly it's just done because he's all, like, deformed, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, they do they do address it because, like, every time someone sees his face, like, for the first time, they always have to take a moment, which, I mean, it was, like, on the border of doing that too many times. But, yeah, it was still, it was, it was fine. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was fine. And it, it's odd because I agree with your comment that it, like the movie's a little bloated and I would have recommended that they cut the things. But the only things I liked about the movie were the extra characters, like the rebels I would mentioned with the ooze guy and then the Modoc. It's like mm-hmm. I enjoyed those things and I enjoyed Kang. <laughs> I guess if I wanted to cut something, I'd cut the main characters. <laughs> what? Well, just I cut mean, Michael Douglas and yeah. But then, with, if you cut Michael Douglas, you would never, you wouldn't have the uh, the the visual of him sticking his hands into the jelly uh, steering 
<laughs> steering wheels, um, which is like literally probably the only thing that he did in the movie, aside from bringing the ants, which again, like going back to um, like th this Ant-Man movie, not really being an Ant-Man movie, it's because I felt like even having the ants come back and save the day, that was kind of like shoehorned in. And that was like the only remaining uh, uh, like theme or like carryover from the original Ant-Man movies. Um, even like him, I think you mentioned it earlier about he doesn't really do Ant-Man things. Like even in the final fight with him and, and Kang, it's just like two guys fighting, like f literally fist fighting. So there's nothing Ant-Man about it. It could have, it probably could have been any other, any other superhero, and it really wouldn't have mattered. Um, I didn't mind that fist fight just because Jonathan Majors was doing such a good job of like selling it. Uh, but <laughs> when you mention yeah. it logically, yeah, it does sound kind of silly. He here's another thing that I have a real pet peeve about with Ant-Man. So maybe this is more part of the comics and I don't know if they actually set this logic up in the movie, but the whole reason why he's strong when he's small is because the, the technology says that it shrinks the space between atoms. So you have the same level of mass and the same level of strength that a regular human being has in a very small point. So when he becomes really big, he should have no strength. He should just be size because you have the normal strength of a human person in a <laughs> giant body so it should almost be like a fear tactic yeah. of look how big i am but whenever he's big he keeps being like really strong and like trashing buildings and falling into planes and in like the germany airport and it's like i don't i don't understand the point of this now and it just kind of throws the whole thing out the window you know i have nothing to say <laughs> that <laughs> i think that's that's way i, I mean that I think that's much more thought out than anyone uh, has done at uh, at Marvel. <laughs> um, Let's talk about Kang, because I want okay. this is interesting thing. How do you feel about Kang in terms of the next villain? Are you looking forward to the Kang Dynasty and those other movies? Um. Yes, mostly because so again, like a lot of. I'm not a huge comic book guy as much as I love like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love the movies, but I, I'm not particularly a fan of, I, I never really read comics. I know who the characters are. I don't know all this extra stuff like MODOK. I'd never heard of him before. Kang, I had never, I mean, I, maybe I've heard of him in passing. So like, it's not a thing of, for me about like, oh, Kang, he's such a cool character. I want to see more of him. It's uh, like me and I feel like most other fans are are uh well I, I wouldn't even say fans here like most of the people who are like casually watching these movies um are enjoy kang or are intrigued by kang because he's played by a good actor in jonathan majors who's like the hot thing right now right um so i mean him as a character is interesting because i think jonathan majors is doing a good job um but again going back to like me not understanding like he's supposed to be really strong right but it, it, it's i think there's going to be real difficulty in the future movies like if there's going to be like a sort of cat and mouse thing where they're going to be fighting kang over a while without him just destroying them immediately um i, I it's going to take a lot of like of of explaining or like plot armor i feel like so i, I think that's the problem that i see with it i mean theatrically 
um, and stylistically, or, or he's going to be fun to watch. I think it's just, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to complain too much about the whole plot armor thing of him suddenly being defeated by ants. Like I do I think probably <laughs> with many people wish that they had found some other way to have him lose without like, like being some trick or something so that mm-hmm. like you still have to present him as a, a scary character. Um, I do like, I know of Kang the Conqueror somewhat, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert in all the things that he's done. Um, I am interested, as you said, because Jonathan Majors is doing it. And I like the fact that Jonathan Majors gets to play different versions of that character. Um, I don't know yeah. if you, I don't know if that was a post credit scene or if it was actually at the end of the movie, but they reveal like the three other it versions was. and then like the whole stadium full of things. Um, yeah. and then I don't know if you had watched Loki, but he's in that and it's a slightly different version than he's playing as Kank the Conqueror because he's the one yeah. who remains. But I, I find it interesting and that's probably the only reason why I'm continuing to kind of pay attention to these MCU things. Cause I just want to see where they go with it. Um, they've presented him as this character that, you know, Hey, he's beaten the Avengers all these times. He doesn't really care about the Avengers. He cares about beating himself. Um, and that they've kind of potentially teased the idea that, if he's not there to beat his variants, then the universe will be destroyed. So he's kind of hero slash villain and he has some complexity to him. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. But at the same time, me watching it feels like, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where like Mythbusters or some science show, they take like a car and they go full speed at a wall. And the way that they edit it is like they do 10 different angles and it's like almost hits, almost hits, almost hits. And you just want to be like, I want to see how this thing crashes i want to see the (laughs) aftermath and that kind of describes how i feel about probably both the mcu and the dceu at this point to be like i just want to see what disaster comes and i'm entertained by that more so than the actual story yeah and but you know like on that note i feel like as much as i uh, as much as i love ant-man to to demonstrate that in this movie like this is kang like this is kang's phase now right at the end just have him kill ant-man like ant-man traps him in the quantum realm he kills him and that's it like now you've built this terrible villain who everyone hates because not hates but like it's clear that he's a threat because he killed goofy silly ant-man who i guess maybe i love but i don't know if everyone loves i feel like the the general consensus is that ant-man is mid but he's like um he's he's like a silly character and it it would be really kind of shocking to just see him die like that right and i mean it's i feel like it was leading up to that but they just couldn't pull the trigger on it and i i really don't understand why um i felt like that would have added a lot more to the movie and given it like the 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 dramatic effect that kind of you were looking for or Um, better yet just have michelle pfeiffer's character do that because that would be the proper conclusion to her character to say hey i'm writing my wrongs michelle pfeiffer nobody cares about her in the context of the mcu (laughs) um so i feel like you like obviously wouldn't have the same weight as killing off ant-man but at least have him do something like that yeah so but i don't know um i yeah there's a bit of a missed opportunity there opportunity there i feel um but all that being said, I enjoyed the ride. <laughs> um, and the silly, and it was also nice, like completely side note, like off, off topic. Well, not off topic completely, but um, Chidi from The Good Place, um, the, the mind reader guy, uh, black dude from uh, Midsummer as well. Um, uh, it's nice to see him in this movie. 
He's also Everett from the movie Patterson, where Adam Driver plays a bus driver. He is. I actually knew that. I haven't gone all through Patterson. I haven't watched Patterson from beginning to end, but yes, I did actually know that, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see him. Yeah. The, good Place the, is a good show. I've watched two episodes. I didn't stop watching for any particular reason. It seemed okay. Um, the last thing I'll <laughs> say about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is Catherine Newton, who plays Cassie Lang, Scott's daughter. Um, she was good in that other movie she did that probably got her this role. Freaky, I think, Freaky. is the movie. Uh, yeah. I hated her in this and probably every press conference <laughs> she's done for this movie. Um, she just annoys Why? me. So <laughs> there's just a like. So I, and maybe this is, I'm judging her too much based on real world personality, <laughs> which I should never do. Um, but she was doing this interview and explaining why she liked playing the character of Cassie Lang. And, and she just seemed like really out of touch with the character and being like, oh, cause this character is such a nerd and I'm such a nerd. And it's like, you're not a nerd. You're like <laughs> a hot girl actress. Like, shut up. Um, so it's just like her whole personality, I feel like doesn't fit right. And also and this is maybe separate from her, but don't like about the character. MCU is really overdoing the child genius element of their characters these days. Um, yeah. They did that in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, where they had the character that's like, oh, super genius young person. I guess that, you know, like that's just the the thing they default to to give someone character and personality. And it's like, okay, yeah. her dad's a thief. She didn't have like parents for a while. Like you can do, and that's why I liked Ant-Man is, He's a thief. He's a criminal. He's not hero man. And so these type of like flaws and different characteristics made him more interesting. Whereas, I don't know, it just makes his daughter less interesting. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I didn't really consider that or her too much aside from, I don't know, it's, it's nice that she's tried to learn how to do Ant-Man things, Ant-Woman now, I suppose. Um, jump, what, shrink, jump and tap? shrink and tap i liked what they were going for with the whole like mentoring her in the role yeah um didn't really land for me but i liked the yeah. attempt <laughs> that's fine any last um, comments about I, Ant-Man? no that actually caught me completely by surprise i didn't <laughs> I, I hadn't watched any of like the interviews or press with her um so i didn't know what she's like at all uh is she isn't she related to someone is she like one of those was it Nepo Babies? I'm, uh, I'm opening up IMDb to check. All right. Things I should have done before, but. How would you? No, I don't. Robin Newton and David Newton. Never heard of them. I don't know. I know there's a lot of controversy around Nepo Babies right now, but. Yeah. Well, there's a a plus for for Catherine Newton. She is not one of those. She is self-made. <laughs> She's putting the work in. Good for you, Catherine Newton, future and woman. All right. Now we will move on to our second feature, where I will say good things and you will say negative things as a as a change, <laughs> uh, and we will talk about the Banshees of Inisherin which stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, two of the, what I think, really good actors these days, uh, directed by Martin McDonough of the McDonough Brothers, who have done some really good stuff, including 
the Guard in Bruges, uh, Three Billboards of Ebbing, Missouri, War on Everyone. I, I love pretty much their entire catalog. Seven Psychopaths in there as well. Um, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson feature hev- heavily in both of those directors' movies. Um, and this one, while not up to par with some of the other ones, like this is one where I said, Ant-Man, I had really low expectations in. I had really high expectations for this one. It did not meet those expectations, but I still relatively enjoyed the movie. I have a lot of good things to say about it. Um, I guess I'll I'll leave it there. Any any thoughts before you had watched the movie? Um, <laughs> wasn't that wasn't it one of your like top ten from last year? It's been on my top ten probably a couple years now because it I uh no, maybe it was only one year that I had it, but I had been aware about this movie for a couple of years and I had been looking yeah. forward to it for a while. So it wasn't just like I saw a trailer and I was looking forward to it. Like I had a, a long ramp up of expecting something really good, um, which probably mm-hmm. led to my maybe too high of expectations. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to have a whole lot to say. That's very different. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I'd like to hear how you felt about the movie as a whole, just aside from like, okay, there, there's a bit of a disappointment there, but what did you enjoy about it particularly is what I'm curious about. I guess the same question you asked me about. <laughs> yeah. So probably like the, the main thing that I enjoyed about watching this movie and is a big theme around movies that I really like is about being in the setting. And this movie made me want to be on that island and go have a beer in that particular pub. Um, for those who haven't seen the movie, it takes place on a small island off the coast of Ireland, um, a town of like maybe 20 people or so, maybe, maybe slightly more than that. Uh, but it's a couple friends who get in an argument and one of them doesn't want to be friends with the guy anymore. Um, but they have like this very typical pub where you go to, again, town of like 20 people. They go there every day at three o'clock. They meet the same bartender, the same friends. They have the same pint. They sit in the same like chair and same table. And like that setting for me is what like I, I could have just watched people do literally anything in that setting for four or five hours. And I still would have enjoyed it oh. from <laughs> that perspective, which okay. isn't too far different than what the movie actually is because there's not a whole <laughs> lot that happens. But it's about kind of you know, I'm in my daily life, I'm going to work, I'm going out and doing groceries, blah, blah, blah. I sit down and from the first frame of the movie, I am no longer in my world, I am in this world. And that element of a movie watching experience appealed to me. I did like, like, I'm not going to say the entire story and movie was shit because like I, I did enjoy the performances and the characters and the stories and all that. But the main appeal to the movie is the setting and just the world that they have created uh, as a place that I felt like I was in myself as I was watching it. Okay. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, there's a bit of a, a difference of opinion, especially in terms of like the escape element. I mean, the, the setting is beautiful. 100%. I will, I will agree with you there. Um, I don't know if I, I, I would, I actually remember watching part of the movie. So for cult, for full context, I didn't finish <laughs> the movie. I, I couldn't, um, um but like i i do remember i don't know somewhere near the beginning it's just showing the landscapes and everything of the island and i was looking at it i was like i'd really like to go there and just see it um but then i thought about it sorry go ahead no i I was just gonna say and right after that i thought like 
yes, but also after a day, maybe I'll probably be done because there's not a lot to do there. This like lens, there's a good connection between like what I like and how I perceived this movie. <laughs> so, but what were you going to say? I was going to say, when I say that I wanted to be part of this world, it's not necessarily because of the beauty and the vistas and all that. It's oh, more yeah. the simplicity of the world. Um, it reminded me when I was 21, I lived in Ukraine for a summer. And there was this, I was there for a couple months. And for, I think, half of that time, I was living in this very small town in the mountains. And I was, like, teaching English to a bunch of kids. But there was, like, a town of maybe 50 people. And I would have to go walk on train tracks for like 20 minutes to go to a grocery store that had like, like it was like a small department store type thing. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can talk about being bored, but at the same time, like I loved that lifestyle of every, like you can't do anything else. Like you're not distracted. You don't have the anxiety and the yeah. stress of the world. You're just like really focused in the here and now of your life. And when they were walking to and from the pub, there's like all those roads that have a bunch of rocks on the sides. I just wanted to go for a walk down those roads and have kind of like an empty mind and not really think about yeah. anything. So that appeal, like it, it, it kind of reminded me of that month I spent in the mountains in Ukraine where it's like I didn't have technology. I didn't have movies or TV shows. I would have to, you know, again, it was an hour long adventure to go get food. Um, I also yeah. had these like babushkas who were cooking like fresh food right out of a garden for me every day. And it just felt like a very real grounded way of living. And so when you talk about like, you'd like to be there for a day, I'd like to be there for a year and just have that simplicity of life. And that's, I feel like that's exactly where we diverge here <laughs> in terms of just the, like even bringing it back to the movie. Like I, because I, I, I totally get that. I feel the same way about, again, like, even not just how everything looks there, but also that lifestyle. Like, I, I do occasionally like that. But when it comes down to it, I can't take that for more than, like, for too long. I Because I will get bored. I'm, like, a city person. I need things happening. Like, I, I have a short attention span. So not sometimes most of the time so like at this again tracing it back to the banshees of inisherin like i i went into it not knowing what it was about exactly i knew enough well it, it turns out i knew exactly what it was about <laughs> because all i had known was that these two friends they one of them just doesn't want to be friends anymore that's and the whole movie. That's the whole movie. Yeah. So, but then I also heard like, oh, it's getting all these great ratings. Like everyone loves it. And I do like, occasionally I do like that kind of movie. Again, like going to a place like that and enjoying that slow, like slow pace of lifestyle, not getting distracted by anything. I like that stuff sometimes. It's even like some of the other stuff that Martin McDonough has done. You just mentioned uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I just rewatched that actually like a few days ago. Um, so I, I think like that, that was one. his like, brother it... actually. Oh, but it was one oh. of the McDonough's. Yes. Yeah. Um, or like in Bruges, that was him, right? Uh, I'm gonna check, but I think so. Okay, but at, like that one in Bruges, I really liked, and I I watched it for the first time also like a few weeks ago. So I really enjoyed that and like the the chemistry between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, like both individually actors that I like, um, maybe not so much Colin Farrell when like he's trying to 
he's trying to be pushed as an action star or like all some of the other corny stuff that he's done. Um, but stuff like this, yes, I enjoy it sometimes. But then this movie specifically, I, I got the gist of it. I feel like I got the gist of it, like the whole plot of the movie, which is friend doesn't want to be friends anymore. And that's it. I got that within like the first maybe 30, 40 minutes. And it was like, okay, it was fun. It's cool seeing Colin Farrell just try to figure it out. Like, why does he not want to be friends with me? And he's like talking to these different people. And he's going through this small town, just trying to figure it out. And Brendan Gleeson is like threatening to, was he, he, at one point he like threatens to chop his own hand off if he, yeah. if Colin Farrell doesn't, Colin Farrell doesn't leave him alone. Like that was, okay, it's funny, it's good. But after like 30, 40 minutes, I was like, okay, that that's it. Like I, I, I feel like I'm kind of, I couldn't get through the rest is what I'm trying to say. But I mean... I don't hate the movie by any means. It's just like not something that I can entertain myself with for hours. If it's that. The one thing I'll say is it does escalate a little bit more as the movie goes on. And I don't know where exactly you left off and I'll just say spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't watched it. He he does eventually cut off all his fingers and like throws them (laughs) at Colin Farrell's door. Um, And then he like, Colin Farrell burns down his house at the end and hopes that he's inside. And, and anyway, it, it does, it starts to, to escalate as the movie goes on and it do, never really explains why, like, you know, as much about why each of them were doing that at the beginning, there's no change mm-hmm. in that or revelation. It's just like, it just gets more and more. Um, mm-hmm. the, the value of the, the, like the movie outside of the, the setting is I think the performances of the actors and, I, I'm surprised it's getting as much like Oscar recognition as it is uh, because it's kind of, I think this movie would be better enjoyed if it was just kind of a smaller movie that somebody could just turn on and enjoy. But now because it's nominated for best picture and all these awards, it kind of has this hype around it that people would expect more. And it's not, it's just like a really small story. And both these brothers have made a lot of movies like that, where it's just kind of uh, much smaller. Um, you are right that this director did three billboards and in Bruges, his brother, John Michael McDonough, um, is actually, his movies look more like this one. They're much more like smaller grounded stuff. Um, mm. There's a movie that he did where Brennan Gleeson stars as a priest called Calvary or Cavalry, um, where he's like a mm. drunken priest and he's angry and swearing all the time, uh, which is basically this movie, but more interesting, like more interesting characters, more interesting, like threat, more like stuff going on. So I mm. will say of all these brothers movies, this is probably one of my least favorite but that still puts it one of my favorite movies of the year, just because there's not a whole lot coming out right now. Um, but yes, shout outs to Barry Keegan, who does a phenomenal job as like the island idiot. Um, <laughs> Carrie Condon, who plays Colin Farrell's sister, who does like a phenomenal job in like that little nuanced character. Um, there's just a lot of side characters who do a good job in their part. But unlike Ant-Man, where these are kind of just distractions, like they all feed into the main story which i mean i guess similar to ant-man the main story is one of the less interesting parts of it but at least the side characters are contributing to that story and, and kind of making it more interesting yeah that's fair i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue too much there like i said i don't i don't hate the movie i i understand why someone would like something like this it, i mean it's just a different kind of person for me because i'm gonna start watch i'll I'll watch this movie and then 
like halfway through, I'm going to get up and go and watch Cocaine Bear. <laughs> yeah, I, I will admit that like when, when I say I would love to be on this island for a year, a month into that year, I would probably get tired and want to not be on that island anymore. But <laughs> maybe I just like the idea of it. Um, one other thing I'll mention just around the McDonough Brothers filmography um, one of the things that you had complained about Ant-Man, the only complaint you had about Ant-Man on our Instagram post was that it didn't have enough Michael Pena. Um, Michael Pena does star in one of uh, the guy's brother's films, War on Everyone, which I think is probably the most underrated of, because it basically got no acclaim. It's like the black sheep of the McDonough Brothers movies. Um, but I found it very entertaining, uh, basically because it's Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård doing like, they're like crooked cops. Um, so very much recommend that movie. Yeah, that one has been on my uh, my list for a while, actually. I, I've known about this movie because I think it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there, but I, I have wanted to watch it. I've just never brought myself to do it. And then side note about, I mean, kind of related to that movie, but I just remember that every time I look up a movie with Alexander Skarsgård on IMDb, I just wonder why there's a picture of him. Like his picture is just him without pants. If you have not seen this, if you're listening right now and you have not seen this, um, look him up on IMDb. I, Alexander Skarsgård is a good uh, good actor, and I have looked up many of his movies on IMDb to be greeted by that same picture. So, <laughs> yeah. Most recently, yeah. Infinity Pool, which is my favorite movie of 2023 so far, probably because I've only watched like three movies so far. Well, um, I, I don't know if we're, I'm getting ahead, too ahead of myself here, but uh, for everyone listening, uh, we will be talking about Infinity Pool um, in the very near future because Carson has recommended, well, yes, recommended it, not necessarily to me, but I am going to watch it. And uh, uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it, I'm going to have a similar experience to when I watched Titan. Um, it is not as weird as titan really well actually that's okay i don't think anything's as weird as titan yeah that's a pretty high bar to set (laughs) okay it seems pretty weird though i um what my wife and i do when we watch we're getting ready to watch a movie is like we'll take turns one of us will pick three movies and then we just like take one out one by one until there's uh one left and I, i i can't remember what the picks were but between when i was choosing i remember infinity pool was one of them and then we watched the trailer and she removed it immediately (laughs) so i don't know i might have to watch this one by myself i don't know if i'm gonna find the time to do it but i am committed to watching it because we will be talking about this on a future podcast and it'll be my excuse to just talk about mia goth for like an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's kind of like uh not explode she's like indie exploding right now right she she's very was, much indie exploding with uh, Pearl and the movie X, which uh, yeah. that Wednesday actress was also in, which everyone knows about that movie. Um, yeah. And then she's in the third movie of that trilogy, Maxine, that's coming out next year, which I am very much looking forward to. Probably too high of expectations for because uh, the first two are kind of enjoyed because of how simple they are. But anyway, Mia, Mia Goth is like the the. Uh, photo negative of jenna ortega i feel like <laughs> she's married to shia labeouf too or was at one point mia goth was i think they might still be but interesting um 
well then. All right, we will we'll wrap this episode up with uh, the Oscars are coming out tomorrow. Do you have any any quick thoughts on the Oscars of what you care about or things that you are upset about or looking forward to that? Um, I am going to st- forever stand by everything, everywhere, all at once, which has gotten a lot of nominations. Um, I feel like there's some pretty stiff competition, having just looked at the the categories and the nominations, like five minutes ago <laughs> um before we started recording um i'm uh yeah i i also heard there was like some sort of uh uh controversy or about the woman king not being nominated for anything is that true uh i haven't heard that because i've heard a lot of people say that the women king is not that good but <laughs> there, there's that, a uh... lot of diversity in the nominations this year so i don't oh, yeah. think they can bring that complaint I, I spend too much time on Twitter. There, there is something about like I think, uh, I think it was Viola Davis who said said something along the lines. I'm going to be careful here because I'm. <laughs> this is all secondhand information. I could be completely off, uh, inaccurate. But I, I do remember reading something about Viola Davis, say, saying something to the effect of, "If you don't watch The Woman King, you're racist," or something like that. I'm. Again, don't hold me to what I'm saying. This is probably untrue. Um, I think this is all just demonstrating how little I've been paying attention to the Oscars. Yeah, like I I haven't watched the movie, so I can't comment on it too much. I I would be a hypocrite if I said that the movie isn't good because it's not historically accurate, which is one thing that people have pointed out a lot because I love many other movies which are not at all historically (laughs) accurate. So I'm not going to hold that against it. You told me that it has good cinematography. I like movies with good cinematography. So, I mean, I haven't watched it, so maybe I'm a racist, but I'll have to I'll have to watch it tonight just so I can tell people I'm not racist, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that it, that's the the criteria, the, like the the passing grade. Um uh also Black Panther, but you've watched that one already, so I think you're I think you're safe you're like half racist <laughs> good to know that i'm half <laughs> um that's probably like uh, of the people that i'm not sure why are nominated and maybe this is putting me and maybe i shouldn't even say this oh. um, angela bassett <laughs> on black panther i'm just like why is she nominated there's a lot of other great actresses who did a lot of good stuff this year so so that would be my one well that's not my one complaint about black panther i have many complaints about black panther <laughs> Um, but that's one of my complaints about the Oscars is I feel like they could have done a little better in that category, but who do you feel would be deserving of that, uh, of her nomination? So who of these, who of all these white actresses, Carson, which (laughs) the, um, (laughs) the girl who played Max in stranger things, she was in the whale. Uh, I don't know, her oh. name, but she did a phenomenal job and I was surprised. So the other woman who did get nominated for best sporting actress for the whale Hong Chow, um, she also did a phenomenal job. So I'm not going to say that she is not worthy, but I would say that that actress did a better job than Angela Bassett, who was, I would say kind of in black Panther too. Um, but like, I like Angela, but she did a great job in mission impossible a couple of years ago, um, as like kind of the director, um, she has a line which like always comes up in my head when I'm at work where, uh, Tom Cruise or somebody, Alec Baldwin says something to her about like, you know, 
Tom Cruise and his team, they should have died. And she's like, that's the job. And like her delivery of that line is like stuck in my head for like the last five years now. So I like Angela Bassett as an actress. I don't think she particularly did that great of a job in Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, I, I know of, again, from Twitter, I know of a lot of people that would strongly disagree. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of hype around her performance. I think just how emotional like her emotional performance, I guess, all things considered with Chadwick Boseman and the relationship and uh, I guess the parallels between that and her character in the movie. And they people do think that she did a very good job. I think she did a great job as well. Uh, I don't know about Oscars, but well, I'll leave it at that. I don't know about Oscars. Period. I'm not going to say she did <laughs> terrible. I just think I was like, oh, yeah, her really? That was, I guess, my initial yeah. thought. I, I, I also haven't seen The Whale. But I, I, I might not. I might not. Period. <laughs> I, I recommend it. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to you. <laughs> Maybe that's a, a good explanation of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It saves like we have really efficient uh, recommendations for each other. It's <laughs> I, I, I must say, it's it's good. I, I it's good. The the extent of what how we know whether or not one of us will like something. And I'll, I'll, the last comment I'll make on The Whale is my, my wife had a crush on Brendan Fraser growing up. And with that movie, I think it's officially done. So, <laughs> Oh, that's... Oh, come on. But good for Brendan uh, Fraser. He's back, baby. He, he's doing a great job. I hope he gets... Yeah, unfortunately, his role in an ups- upcoming DC movie got cut because every role in every DC movie got cut. But <laughs> What was he supposed to be? Uh... I forget the name of the character. It was like fire something or other, but it was going to be like a, I don't know if it was like a villain or like an anti-hero type one, but it was probably going to be a heavy CGI-esque role. So maybe good that he can do better oh. dramatic things now. Yeah. That reminds me of, sorry, like last thing, because I know we're kind of meandering right now, but um, that reminds me of uh, the, I think the first GI Joe movie where Brendan Fraser was in it for like, um, five minutes as the the boot camp instructor or drill instructor for the GI Joes, and I just remember like that was probably the first time I had seen him in anything since the the last Mummy movie, like the bad one, um, with Jet Li, and I just remember seeing him in that tiny role, and I was like, that's that's what he's doing now, like what? Anyways. Hey, the, He's back. those roles at those time in his life was probably keeping him keeping him alive. So, oh, anyway. God. Um, all right. Well, on that depressing note, we'll leave it off there. <laughs> um, stay tuned to our Instagram, now renamed the Fan and the Critic, all one word. Uh, we will be doing trailer reactions and maybe some more comments on the Oscars in advance of tomorrow's show. And the fact that I'm calling it tomorrow's show means I'm kind of on the hook to post this episode today. So I guess I will. I'll be doing that. Hey. Good job. Bye. Bye.